Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow in your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. All right. Hey, everyone. This is your host, Steve Perkins. And today's guest I'm really excited about is Jeff Woods. He is the vice president of The One Thing, which is definitely a name you guys should recognize. We've been talking about this book a lot. And it's actually one of the highest rated business books of all time. So, you know, we're really grateful for you to come on the show, Jeff. Um, This book, you know, if you haven't heard us talk over and over about it yet, it's basically about the surprising and simple truth behind extraordinary results. And so... Um, not only do they have the book and they do workshops and trainings and all kinds of cool stuff online, um, but Jeff has been featured in entrepreneur.com and his self has a lot of cool um, stories and journey that he'll share. And personally, I think Jeff, you're on a mission to teach people how to take back control of their time and really get clarity on how they want to invest it. So it's just such a good alignment since we love talking about being intentional and living with purpose. So, Jeff, I mean, seriously, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Steve. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of picked out this small phrase that I liked that you guys talk about, which is um, going small instead of going big. So yes. I want to dive into some of your backstory. But first, like, just tee us up. Why is it important, do you think, to go small rather than going big? Yeah, sure. So this is one of it's one of the biggest mistakes that we make. And especially if you're listening to this, Steve gave me a a sense of who you are and the type of ambitions and what you're doing, whether you're in a corporate setting or whether you're, you're starting or or running your own business. But oftentimes we look out in the world and we have these big visions for what we want out of life. And because we're action takers, we take massive action moving forward. And we call that thinking big and acting big. The challenge is um, when you think big and act big, Sometimes you overlook the little dominoes that you got to line up. That if you just line them up correctly, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And that's what it means to think big and go small. And, and, and I'll, I'll illustrate this for you. So think about a time when in your life when you lined up dominoes. If you line them up correctly, did you have to knock each one down individually? No. You locked down the first one and they all fell. And then 2009, there was a group out of the Netherlands. They broke the world record for domino falls. They lined up (laughs) 4.5 million dominoes, which (laughs) what's crazy is all it took to knock them all down was to knock down the lead domino. And what scientists figured out was that so much energy was released from that one flick of a finger. In fact, 94,000 joules of energy were created, which is as much as it would take me to drop and do 545 push-ups right now, to put that in context. So like, (laughs) literally, take your finger and just flick it forward so effortlessly. That one thing could create so much energy that you could do 545 push-ups. And what they found is that when you look at domino falls, a two-inch domino doesn't just knock down one of equal size. It actually knocks down one that could be 50% larger. So two inches could knock over three. Three could knock over four and a half. And our graphics team had some fun with this. They figured out that by the 18th domino, you could knock down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> That's awesome. By the 23rd, the Eiffel Tower. 
31st, Mount Everest. And by the 57th domino, you could reach a structure from almost from the earth to the moon. Now, here's what we mean by think big, go small. If you become the type of person that day after day over time does your one thing, that's when extraordinary results become possible. Yeah, it's that concept of momentum that Mm -hmm. we almost take for granted because it's like, yeah, I get that concept. But when you really stop and think, and some of these examples you're giving, it's a pretty tremendous thing that that the same amount of effort or input could actually yield like exponentially more output. Yeah. Well, there's um, if we go way back to Italy, Alfredo Pareto was looking and and discovered that in Italy, eighty percent of the wealth was controlled by about twenty percent of the people. And he came up with Pareto's principle, the eighty <laughs> twenty rule. And I was even this week I was hearing Gary Keller talk about this. That you know, Steve. Do you believe in gravity? I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, because you experience it every day. You you experience it. You see the results of it. But have you ever seen gravity? Nope. You don't know what it looks like? <laughs> Even though you haven't seen it, you believe it because you've seen the results of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 80-20 is the exact same. It is a law, just like gravity, just like we believe oxygen exists. 80-20 exists. Yet in corporate culture, in our businesses, we have created a culture where everybody is reactive. The first thing they do when they show up to the office and open their, up their computer is do what? Check your emails, respond which to is, 100 different things. <laughs> well, let's check your emails, which is just a list for everybody else's 80% work. Then they go to a... Meeting. And they get out and don't know what they should be doing. So they check their... Email. <laughs> yeah. Until until somebody interrupts them asking, do you got a minute? Yeah. Yeah. And that, re- and that repeats all day long. So why is it... You, you talk about momentum, Steve. Most people go through their day doing the 80% work that produces the minority of the results. Versus if we just flipped it on its head and said, what would be possible if every day we did our 20? the 20% priorities that generated 80% of the results, what would that look like over time? And if you were able to go to the 20% of the 20% of the 20% to the point that you got to one thing and you did that first, what would be possible? Well, I mean, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this conversation and love the book is because genuinely I struggle with this, right? I am that kind of entrepreneurial type who sees opportunity in everything And I just appreciate you guys have really pushed and pushed to truly live this out, not just talk about the idea. So um, I think we'll get into some of the the real challenges around this uh, and and really kind of try to to dig deep on it. But for people who don't know you yet, give a sense of, you know, what are your passions and how did you get to this? Sure. So prior to starting this company with Gary and Jay, I was in medical device sales. I was a sales guy and I uh, did really well there. I, I loved what I did. It was a lot of fun, but I think a lot of people can understand what it feels like to be happy, but not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was. And I knew one day I wanted to start a, a business that would make a big impact and deliver real security for my family. But I didn't know how to. And frankly, I didn't have a compelling reason to. Life was good. I wore scrubs. I ran through hospitals. I sold a device that saved lives. I tried to get my wife to call me McDreamy. It was all good. (laughs) But then a a colleague of mine 
had a stroke when he was 35. And I remember my wife and I just bought a house in Orange County. We just had our first child and she decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And I, I was in my kitchen thinking, wow, if what happened to my colleague happened to me, what happens to my family? That was really unsettling. And then the next week, my company needed to make a change to our commission structure to remain competitive in the marketplace. And overnight, I lost 40% of my income. But gig was still so good, I couldn't go anywhere else. So I was trapped. Hmm. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh my gosh, I, I have to do something. This job is not secure. I need to be in control of my future. And I set out on a mission to upgrade my five. Upgrade the five people I spent the most time with. Jim Rohn says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I looked at my five and said, they're amazing people, but I have no business seeking guidance from them on how to start a company because they haven't done it. And I started a podcast called The Mentee to record private conversations with my mentors. And I met Jay Papazan, who co-authored The One Thing with Gary Keller because he was the keynote speaker at our national sales meeting. <laughs> I interviewed him for the show and I just kept following up with him to see how I could bring value to him. And one day he mentioned they were looking for a CEO for a publishing company. And I said, Oh, I know three people that'd be a great fit. And when we got on the phone and he walked me through who they were looking for, he described me. Hmm. Rest is history. Wow. What did that do for you personally, kind of seeing and hearing that? Seeing and hearing what? That that was really describing you. Oh, the, I mean, the, the story is so vivid. I was in my car. I had just gotten back from driving through my territory for the day. I'm still in my scrubs, in my parking lot. And he's having this conversation with me. And I genuinely, Steve, I'm just a super connector. I know a lot of talented people and I like to connect them. And so I genuinely thought I was just going to connect two talented people. And when he described me, I... I did what every hungry, ambitious person would do. I said, can I call you back? <laughs> <laughs> really high-pitched voice. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. And I literally sat in the car in silence for about five minutes, which does not happen. I do not <laughs> I walked in. I knew this was a defining moment. Uh -huh. I, I walked into my house. I looked at my wife and I said, honey, I just had a phone call. I think everything's going to change. I bet we end up moving to Texas. And she looks at me and goes, excuse me? And I said, hold on. And I literally ran to my office, grabbed my microphone because I knew I had to document every word. Ah, uh, smart. Smart man. That became episode 57 of The Mentee. Yeah. Yeah. And two days later, I got back on the phone with Jay and said, I literally was calling to try to connect you to my, to my network, but you didn't describe those people. You described me. So what's the process? And he goes, oh, we got a process for that. <laughs> and that began the, a five-month-long, very detailed hiring process. Wow. I mean, you were really intentional in seeking out who you spend time with and, and who could um, teach you, who you could listen to and learn from and that kind oh. of mentorship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that still Absolutely. a theme for you? Does it look different now? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's now... It, start, it became habit that became ritualistic. I'm at the point now that if, if in certain areas, I just, I am unwilling to allow people to be in my world that don't make me better. If I find that somebody is toxic, I just distance myself. I'm unwilling to allow that into my life. And that's so countercultural to you. I think there's a general vibe of, you need to kind of be a people pleaser and you need to say yes to everybody. What makes it okay for you to do that? 
It's your life. It's your life. I mean, I remember having a conversation with somebody, they really pushed back on this. And I said, I want you to imagine everything you could possibly want out of life. And fast forward five years, imagine that that life is yours. Literally, the, the impact, the purpose, the, the financial, the spoils, the relationships, the experiences, everything you could possibly want out of life is yours within five years. I want you to visualize yourself there five years from now. And now I want you to visualize that that was taken away from you. And it was taken away from you by a certain group of people who were malicious. How would you feel about those people? And they were like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm getting so angry. And I go, how would you feel if it was your fault? They said, excuse me? I said, it was your fault because you let them into your life. Every day we have this choice that of who we spend time with, who we invest time with, who we allow into our life. But because we've normalized our current circumstances, we don't see the pain. Yet if we flip it and say, look, you can have everything you want out of life, just depends on the people you surround yourself with and the habits that you form. So let's just assume that that all is already yours. Now let's ask the question, how do we make sure that the people who are toxic, who are going to take it away from you, don't even get close to you? And this is so much in that vein of taking back control of your time, right? It's Absolutely. If Especially as you get more and more responsibility in life and family and job, all these things, it's, it's like such a small margin you have where you, there's a choice about who and what you fill it with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, my, my last coach asked me a great question. Um, and the, this is a big question. He said, Jeff, what's the impact your company will be making 200 years from now? And how will you know if you're on track? Now, first, let's acknowledge that's a flashy question. If you actually study how many companies have made it 200 years, the answer is not many. We hope to earn the right to be there. But the answer for such a big question, my answer was instantaneous. I said, we've changed the way people view time. Hmm. Wow. And, and here's what I mean by that. We walk through the, you get to the office, you go from email to meeting to email to distraction. We go through our days reacting to whatever is urgent and often unimportant and wonder why we're busy, but didn't get anything done. We literally spend our money just, or spend our time, just like I spend money. It goes out, nothing comes back. Mm-hmm. Shifting it to where culturally people invest every second like it's their most valuable resource because it is yeah yeah i I mean you're speaking my language this has become a huge passion for me too because you start the more you you think about this topic the more you look around and realize every day uh yeah we're just we're kind of reacting to everything that comes at us Mm -hmm. and we actually the scary part is we assume that is the way we have to live. That's the only way. There is no other way. And it's just that we were never taught to. It's not that Mm. you can't. It's that you were never taught to. And unconsciously over decades, we have formed habits and beliefs about the way that things are or should be. Example, Steve, what grade were you taught to get clarity on the one thing you could do that if you just did that, everything else in a certain area of your life would be easier or unnecessary Hmm. and have the habit of doing it first. What grade was that taught to you? Yeah. I don't think I ever heard that message. 
Oh, you no, you didn't. But what grade were you taught to react to everything that's unimportant that stops you from focusing on what matters most? Yeah. What grade was that? <laughs> yeah, good question. Right off the bat. I mean, pretty early on. I mean, it was never actually taught to us in class, yet it's what's been reinforced through our actions. And that's just because it's been unintentional. It's, it, it's been passive, right? So now this is about how do we take back control of our time and gain clarity about how to invest it? It starts by you recognizing that your time is yours. And every single second you breathe, you are making a choice about how are you, are you investing it or are you spending it? Can we become the type of people who become a little more aware about what are the things that actually matter most in our life? And based on that, what's one thing I can do today to be on track? So what just are, do it first. Yeah. So when you are working with people and, and hearing back from readers and, and listeners, do you notice any themes of kind of the trigger points or the things that, um, that are true in someone's life that, that like tips them into wanting to live this new way or caring about this topic? It depends on who they are. I mean, if you are a leader inside a business or if you are the business owner, usually they're going, hey, there's some business need, whether they just had uh, to cut back the workforce and they need more productivity out of fewer people, or maybe they just want greater results and they're willing to make investments in their people, or there's some legitimate problem that's happening where they're not able to retain top talent, but they're keeping bottom performers and they need to figure out how do we create a, a, a culture of coaching and accountability. These are all various reasons somebody might reach out to us. Or maybe they just are sitting in the class and they hear it for the first time and it just resonates with them because they go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it's surprisingly simple. Everything we do is surprisingly simple. It's not earth shattering, yet doesn't mean it's easy to do. Yes, it's not easy. And I have gone started down this journey myself, so I know this is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the the one kind of objection I I hit up against the most is, yeah, but what about all the other stuff that has to get done, right? Like for me, okay, in running a business, like you've, even if you define your one thing, obviously there's still all kinds of other things that are need to be orchestrated and that need to happen. Sure. So what do you say to that? How do you walk people through that? Sure. Well, again, the number one lie of productivity is the lie that everything matters equally. I, I don't think there's a single person listening to this that says that all the things on their plate matters equally. You know, if I asked you, what does, does checking email matter equally to engaging with your most important customers, internal or external? Yes or no? The answer is no. Does sitting in a random meeting matter equally to having time for you to really think and plan so that your calendar reflects your priorities? Does that matter equally? The answer is no. Yet if we followed people around with a camera and documented their every move, we would see them unconsciously doing the things that just don't matter as much, hoping to free up time for the things that matter most. And by the way, there's zero judgment in this. Again, when were you taught to do anything else? Yeah. And I, for me, I learned this the hard way. My first 90 days of starting this company, I was given a, a few really big tests to prove that I was the right person. And one is I had to prove that I could cast a vision. And the way Gary and Jay would measure that is I had to come up with a business plan that they sign off on. Now, to give you a little context, Home Slice over here is fresh out of medical sales. Like I just took off my scrubs for the last time. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sitting in front of 
Gary Keller, the titan of the real estate industry. He's built the largest real estate company in the world. And I've got to get this dude to sign off on my business plan? <laughs> that was intimidating. Yeah. And and it was it was a really simple framework. It's called a GPS. It's a one-page business plan. And just like the GPS on your phone, it gets you to where you want to go. It's got a goal at the top. That's the G. It has three priorities. Those are the P. And then that each priority has a series of strategies to accomplish it. That's the S. And Gary, Jay, and I, we started reviewing it. And he asked a bunch of questions about priority number one. <laughs> I answered the questions. I said, are we good? He goes, yeah. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go to number two now because that's next on the list. And about halfway through number two, Gary went back and started asking more questions about number one. And at that time, I was thinking, oh, he just must have forgotten. And so I answered the questions. I said, are we good? He goes, yeah. I finished up number two, started talking about number three. Where do you think Gary went? <laughs> yeah. Back to number one. Back to number one, one buddy. And in this moment, Steve, you ever seen Meet the Parents? Yeah. You know the circle of trust? Uh-huh. Yeah, I felt like I wasn't in it. <laughs> like, why does, he, why does Gary keep going back to number one? But I answered the questions. I said, are we good? He goes, yeah. And so I went back to number three and he just stopped me. And he asked, Jeff, do you need to do number three in order to do number two? I said, no. He said, do you need to do number two in order to do number one? I said, no. He said, then do me a favor. Draw a line between number one and number two. Or even better, rip the page in half. Don't even think about number two or number three until you've earned the right to hmm. by mastering number one. And it, it, in that moment, Steve, it was just so clear to me. I had decades of unintentionally forming the habit of reacting to everything, telling myself that everything on my plate needed to be done versus if you walk into Gary's office, you will see a piece of paper that says, until my number one priority is done, everything else is a distraction. Hmm. Yeah. That's the shift. Yeah, and it's so... Uh, it's actually really encouraging. I, I think actually the right word is hope. Like there's a bit of... There's a lot of hope in that story for me because mm -hmm. um, he's practicing what he preaches. There, you know, there's so many books and ideas out there that are just espoused and, and yet the creator yeah. of them is not living it out. And the fact that he is kind of, you know, practicing it, but proving out that concept as well and experiencing it himself. Yeah. It, it, let's do a quick exercise. I mean, cause you bring the, let's make this really tangible. Okay. You asked, but what do you say to the, the person who says, yes, but look, what about all the other things? I want you to imagine that all that you are in a position of authority inside the company and you need to promote some people. And you've got all these people inside the company that you could promote. They've, you know, they're, they're all working hard. They all are applying for the job. They all want it. When you imagine the person that you promote, how many of you would promote the person who is the best email checker in the company? <laughs> uh -huh. How many of you would promote the person who is the best meeting attender? How many of you would promote the person that no matter what was going on, they just drop everything, even if it's outside their job? That's not what gets you promoted. What gets you promoted is mastering your 20%. The 20% that generates 80% of the results. Everything doesn't matter equally, folks. And we're not saying that don't check email. We're not saying don't go to meetings or don't help other people. What we're challenging you to do is to wake up 
and in any moment ask the question, if I can only do one thing right now, what actually matters more? This priority or email? This priority or this meeting? And how do we become the type of people who begin to act in order of priority? And that's a journey. That is a journey. And what I love about it, it, you know, I've tried this experiment with a couple groups in big corporate settings. And another kind of objection that comes up really quickly that I'm sure some listeners are thinking of is, yeah, but I can't just, um, I can't just ignore or put off or um, hurt my relationship with somebody who's waiting on something, asking me for something. And that's realistic, right? Like you have to maintain good relationships. But what I'm sure. hearing you say, at least some uh, translation I made in my head was, yeah, but at the end of the day, like your effectiveness in the organization, your success in the organization, your impact is 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 actually hinging on like you focusing on the thing that matters most. And so even if you do make that person mad at you, at the end of the day, what's going to be measured, right? <laughs> like what's going to matter? And, and, and why do we assume that people are going to get mad? That's just a limiting belief. I mean, we're working with a Fortune 50 company right now. And we did a, a workshop for a, a senior group of, of a department. It's a central services department. So they, they, they support many arms of the organization. Uh-huh. And all those different departments have needs of this department. And because no common language was ever instilled, everybody just assumes, hey, if I need this, like this is important to me, it should be important to that, that, that services department. Well, the one thing is the ultimate language of respect. When you begin to understand that I have things that are on my plate and there is an order of priority and that you have things on your plate and there's an order of priority. And if we can begin to have conversations to understand how where things actually fall when you put them together, that's actually a foundation of respect. Yes, yes. That's what you want in your culture. People just don't know how to have... They, they number one, lack clarity. They lack clarity on what their one thing is. They feel like they lack control, control over the order of priority or control over their time. And they lack a sense of community because they don't have a common language to talk. It's a great, great point. Because if I ask you to do something and you truly can't do it, you don't have the capacity or it's not priority for you, it's actually more helpful to me. I would Mm. say even more loving to me if you say no than if you just say, like kind of act like it's a yes and then never actually follow up and it just becomes this thing hanging out there, right? Sure. And this is, I mean, anybody who works for me, one of the first things I train them on is, look, I move really fast. I, I, I come up with new ideas all the time. And because I'm a sociable person, I'm going to want to, I like you. I'm going to want (laughs) to come and tell you about it. Yeah. And especially when I have a new shiny idea, here's what you need to say. Jeff, my one thing right now is, blank. (laughs) I'm hearing you say you also need help with blank, which is more important. Nine times out of 10, I run away. (laughs) Uh, I love that. I'm actually going to start. Do I have permission to start using that idea? Yeah. I mean, this is when when we start working inside of companies, when they really want to make this a cultural shift, we facilitate 
workshops where they begin to create their own language. How, how do we talk to other departments when they're not understanding that they're not the one thing? Mm-hmm. How do we handle it when our boss or the VP or the CEO is completely changing the priorities and they're not seeing all the consequences? How do we handle it when a colleague says, hey, do you got a minute? What do we say in those moments in a way that's still respectful so people don't get mad? And it's like these muscles, these principles, they carry over just equally into personal life, relationships. It's like it applies everywhere. Oh, are you kidding me? This has been great for my marriage. My wife is the best. She's great at making to-do lists. We call them honey-do lists. Uh-huh. And I, I had to help her understand that, honey, you can give me a list of 50 things, but they don't all matter equally. What's the one that if I did that would actually make you happiest or help you the most? Great. Can you just put a number one next to that and, and let me go do that for you first? Because that's, I want to help. Let me do that first. She now doesn't give me a 50 list long thing. She says, when I get home, if there's only one thing you can do tonight, this is it. And should you earn the right to do a second, this is it. She even starts <laughs> the language. I'm like, oh, honey, it's on. <laughs> I love this. Oh, man. You, you better be ready. We're going to get some reports back from listeners like who are actually trying this at home. <laughs> oh, and for those, of you that have, yeah, for those of you that have young kids, they are super impressionable. If you ask my daughter, I'll say, Daphne, until your number one priority is done, what is everything else? She goes, a distraction, dad. <laughs> uh, you're officially in cheese land, but you're dad, so too late. Oh, it's the best. Um, okay, so let's transition into some of the how. Like, I, I would recommend if you know if our listeners haven't already gotten the book, like you got to just get the book and um, and read through that. It outlines all the details. But give us a bit of a if someone's like leaning in right now, how do they try sure. this? Sure. Well, first thing I would point you to is open up a browser and go to the one thing dot com slash training, and that's with the number one in the URL. The book and the podcast are the one thing with one all spelled out, but for the URL, it's the numeral one. So the one thing dot com slash training. There is a um, a free course section called the basics. These are all the basic principles of the one thing in fifteen minutes or less for free. So if you actually want to dive in, go there. That's where you go. But from a really high level, there's, there's a framework that we can apply called turning a to-do list into a success list. Everybody's had a to-do list. It's long. It has everything that you possibly need. The challenge with it is that it doesn't distinguish a priority from a distraction. So here's what you do. And this is something you can do. You can pause the episode once you're, or, or wait till it's done. Go ahead, grab a piece of paper, pen, or your cell phone, or computer, whatever. And think about all the things you got to do over the next week. Okay. Just just start writing. Give yourself a minute or 30 seconds just to do a brain dump. Go for quantity. What are all the things you got to do? Do you have to check email? Yeah. Do you have a meeting? Yep. Any people you need to call back? Any customer fires? What are those projects that those loose ends that are that are tied that you haven't tied up yet? Just make a list of everything that you need to do. Okay. And once you make the full list, we then acknowledge, okay, this is everything. And everything doesn't matter equally. So now we start at the, with the one at the top and we just go, is this a 20% priority that's going to generate 80% of my results? Yes or no? If the answer is no, just move on to the next one. Is this a 20% priority that'll generate 80% of my results? Yes. Okay, put a star next to that one. Just go through your whole list okay. and look at all the things you could do and identify the things you should do. You should do the 20%ers that'll generate 80% of the results. 
Gotcha. And then we go one final step. Uh-huh. Once you have your should deuce, we ask the question, if you could only do one, what's the one that makes everything else easier or unnecessary? Or what's the one that makes the biggest impact? Put a number one next to it. And then, should I earn the right to do a second? What would the second most important one be? Number two, should I earn the right to do a third? What would that one be? Prioritize your priorities. And then just start moving the ball number one. Just get started. Whether you get it fully done or not, I I don't care about that yet. Uh Just prove to yourself that you can identify the most important thing and get started knocking that domino down first. Then you can earn the right to do whatever you want the rest of the day. This is awesome. I'm definitely trying this, by the way. And um, and by the way, what we just modeled there, Steve, was thinking big, going small. Ah, yes. Thinking big, acting big would be immediately stop checking email first thing in the morning. Immediately stop saying yes to every single meeting. Every time somebody asks you if you've got a minute, if they are not your number one priority, say no. Do not mess up. Form the habit of thinking and acting in order of priority. Put your most important things on your calendar and crush every distraction that pops up. That's thinking big, acting big. Yet, every single person listening to this, including myself, would fail. Why not? That's the 57th domino. Why not whittle it all the way back to one thing that every single one of us can do right now? Such that by doing it, because the dominoes are lined up, if we did that day after day after day over time, everything I described would actually become possible. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it reminds me of, as you and I know, as coaches, the baby step principle, right? Mm-hmm. Is this is the baby step. And then what are some practices or mindsets or things to have in mind when even when you are taking that baby step and those distractions start popping in? What do you find helpful to kind of keep the course? Yeah, sure. So this is where when when we go into companies, usually the the first model that we're helping them make part of their culture is called a 411. This is a tool that gives every single person absolute clarity on their priorities for the week, the month, and the year. And when these distractions pop up, I mean, I just have this habit of when something pops up, I just look at my 411 and it very clearly says, "Jeff, this is what you said were the most important things for this year." And I'm done talking about everything. I'm talking about 3 to 5 things. Uh And based on that, these are the handful of priorities you have to do this month to be on track for your year. And based on that, these are the handful of 20% priorities you got to do this week to be on track for your month. So this thing that just popped up, is it more important than your number one priority for this week? If the answer is no, and my number one is not crossed off, then I stop asking the question and I just start focusing on number one. Now let's be really clear. Mm -hmm. Let's be really clear. I fail at this every day. Every day I act out of priority. I've already done it today where something pops up and it wasn't as important, but it was just right there. It was easy to say yes to it. <laughs> like It takes time yeah. to overcome this. But I will tell you, if you look at the Jeff today versus the Jeff when I started the company, my gosh, it's night and day different. The moment, there's a great quote in the one thing about mastery. The moment we begin to view mastery as a journey we go down, rather than a destination we arrive at, it starts to feel achievable and attainable. Mm. 
And that's what it means to think big and go small. Stop thinking big and acting big, setting the expectation that you have to be perfect and start by going really small, understanding that I just need to knock one domino down today and understand that on my journey, if I just knock that lead domino down every day, extraordinary results become possible. <laughs> you really believe this stuff. Dude, I live it every day. Yeah. And anyone who's just listening can't see Jeff's face, but I mean, you're like lit up, excited about this. I get to live my purpose every single day. This has changed my life. I have seen this change the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. That's no BS. That is legit. We've seen it. The proof is in the pudding. Well, I mean, this is why I was so excited to have you on. Um, I, I just think this is really a key part of living intentionally, living well, and like you're saying, living with purpose. So we're going to have the links to the things you mentioned in the show notes, but where can people find you personally? Yeah, sure. So if you go um, to the one thing.com with the number one, I'm on there. Uh, the one thing podcast is where I'm at as well. If you Google Jeff Woods, G E O F F Woods, you'll find me. I'll pop up all over the place. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the one thing.com is the best place. <laughs> You're going to pop up everywhere. I don't know if that's creepy or awesome. Yeah. Well, what's the one thing you want to leave people with, Jeff? I'll reiterate. The moment you view mastery as a journey you go down rather than a destination you arrive at, it starts to feel achievable and attainable. A lot of this, hopefully at this point, you're going, your mind's a little bit blown, you're probably motivated, and you feel like you can do this. You can. And I have heard Gary say, one of the reasons people don't succeed at living the surprisingly simple truth of extraordinary results over the long run is they don't endure the monotony of success. Hmm. Success, folks, is not about the latest productivity hack. It's not the new shiny object. It's not the new business opportunity. It's actually about getting really clear on the handful of things. And if you just did them day after day after day after day after day, over time would lead to extraordinary results. You getting clarity on your one thing, you putting it on your calendar, you protecting that time, Sounds surprisingly simple. It is. And it'll get boring. And after it gets boring, it's going to get hard. Because the world doesn't stop. Your inbox doesn't stop piling up. Meetings don't stop getting scheduled. Priorities don't stop shifting. It never ends. The moment you can make peace with the boredom and really understand that this is a journey is the moment you really start to make progress. Here at The Greenhouse Effect, we are big fans of our friends at Belay Solutions. They are a company that provides virtual assistants and bookkeepers and social media managers. We want to give you a taste of what it's like to work with Belay from one of their clients. His name is Dave Richards, the CEO and lead coach for Elite Performance Associates. Belay saved me. When I was focused on growing my business, you know, I can think of recently, um, I was working with a high profile, uh, you know, federal government agency on a conference for them. And it had a lot of moving parts. You know, my VA allowed me to confidently let go of all of those things and just focus solely on preparing content and delivering a high value program to the client. 
Belay follows up with me. How can I give more? This constant prodding of, you know, how do you, how can we help you more? How can we pull more from your plate so that you can do, you know, what you're meant to do and what you're best at? If you resonate with any of this and you want more information, we have partnered with Belay to offer $200 off of your startup costs. And if you want to learn more about that or have a free consultation with a member of the Belay team, just click the link in the show notes or go to belaysolutions.com backslash next step. So a recent episode of the One Thing Podcast, if you scroll through, you will see um, a two-part episode entitled The Habit That Cost $100 Million to Learn and Why It Was Worth It. And the guy sat down with literally lost $100 million. And out of that, he formed one habit. And that one habit helped him build all the way back and then some. And that habit is the habit of thinking time. As a habit, being the type of person that doesn't just run through walls, that doesn't just run enthusiastically in the wrong direction or react to whatever pops up in front of them, that stops. That asks themselves a great productive question and thinks. Because when you do that, you get incredible clarity and perspective and control. All these things happen. And he wrote a book called the road less stupid. <laughs> the road less stupid. Because literally, he made some stupid mistakes that literally cost him $100 million. And so he wrote a book about how you can take the road less stupid. And in it are 704 awesome questions that you can sit down in a thinking time block and ask yourself. Questions like, if my business could talk, what would it say about me? Questions like, who on my team is an A player? Am I an A, an A player? Questions like, what assumptions am I making right now that might not actually be true? Like, questions like, am I actually solving the right problem or am I just solving symptoms of the problem? These are deep questions that if you actually sat down and started to think through, you're like, oh, snap, there, there's real clarity. I, I, I went on what we call a 66-day challenge we know it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. So we have this PDF calendar called a 66-day challenge calendar where every day you do your one thing, you put an X on it, it becomes a habit over time, which you can get on the one thing.com as well. But I, I went on a 66-day challenge to every day have thinking time. Hmm. And this is a great example of thinking big, going small. Keith says, sit down for 45 minutes. I couldn't do 45 minutes every day. But what I could do was ask one question and get one answer. A day. Every day, even if my head was on the pillow and I'm about to doze off, it's like, oh, what was the thing I was most grateful for today? Uh, time with my kids. Okay. Right. If I just asked a great question and thought of one answer, it was an X for the day. But you fast forward over about 66 days, I suddenly became the type of person who regularly sits down to think. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.